foot enthusiasts, minimal footwear lovers, or anyone trying to fix your own feet, I'm heading to North Carolina this May to lead a live, in-person, three-day retreat all about feet. I'm going to be at the Art of Living Retreat Center, which is up in the mountains of North Carolina. It's so beautiful there. And are you ready to hear what I'm calling it? The retreat is called Healing Your Soul, a stepwise approach to building forever functional feet. That's so good, right? If you want to learn all about how to take care of the muscles, bones, joints, fascia, and nerves of the feet, and learn how strong feet and ankles relate to sustainable hips and knees, this event is for you. In addition to the classroom and movement time with me, you're on retreat. So there's delicious meals, a nature-rich campus that you can explore on foot, and plenty of time for rest and relaxation, all included. A retreat is a perfect way to care for yourself in the moment, but also in the future. You are coming to learn a massive toolkit of information. So whether you're a competitive runner, a dynamic ager, or a healthcare practitioner, this is a weekend full of movement for you and your feet. And like I said, you're gonna leave with a toolkit and a big swag bag that you can use to train your feet for life. For more information about the movement sessions, the food, the center, head to my website, nutritiousmovement.com slash retreat. That's nutritiousmovement.com slash retreat. This is Katie B, and you are about to listen to an early episode of my podcast. Now the show is called The Move Your DNA Podcast, and you can find all episode transcripts and the show notes to this episode at nutritiousmovement.com slash podcast. Enjoy. That was an awesome pun, by the way. I, what pun? I, I just punned so much. Big, big movement in the fitness industry. Oh, there you go. Welcome to the Katie Says Podcast, where Danny Hemmett and Katie Bowman talk about movement, the tiny details, the larger issues, and why movement matters. I'm Katie Bowman, biomechanist and author of Move Your DNA. And I'm Danny Hemmett, a chronically curious movement teacher. I have to tell you about a cool person that I saw the other day that I worked with. Okay. She was in her... I think late fifties, even she wasn't sure she was hilarious. She's like, yeah, I don't do the math anymore. But so I sat down with her and usually when I work with a client, they talk about, well, my knee hurts, my shoulder hurts, all this stuff. And I sat down with her and she said, well, I don't really have any pain. I've just been, you know, following Katie's work for a long time. And I, I just want to prevent pain. Yeah. And that was really the first time I'd worked with somebody in that capacity it was kind of exciting just because I liked, you know, being able to to work from that proactive point of view. And yeah, anyway, and I just I wanted to kind of run that by you because that's never really happened for me before. And it opened up a whole can of really good worms to think about. It's like, wow, I, I'm always helping people get out. But this was a whole different thing. Yeah, it it makes me, and the reason we're talking about it, you were, you were starting to tell me the other day when we were on the other podcast, we're like, oh, let's talk about it on the podcast, is it remind, it reminds me of the essay in Movement Matters titled, Movement is Not Medicine. Mm. And to, when you're telling me her story, it's just like that, that really is the perception. I, and I'm not going to go into the essay, Movement is Not Medicine, 
And you could read Movement is Medicine, which is another essay that I wrote in one of my other books. You could read Movement is Medicine, and then right after that, you could read Movement <laughs> is Not Medicine, just to get the full Movement is Medicine is in Alignment Matters, okay. just FYI. Okay. It'd actually be fun for me to audio record both of those, one after the other, and 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 release maybe just those two. You should. There. I should. I'll put it on my list. You, with all your free time, put I, it in your list. No, we weren't going to should this year. We're not going to should. But yes, I can. <laughs> no, I can. That would be awesome. Yes, there we go. But it, it's this idea that we have that movement, as well as like nutrients, are, are things we turn to. Once we have a problem, right? And so that idea movement is not medicine is beyond just that phenomenon. It has a lot to do with, I think, how we reinforce, how we reinforce the, uh, is this a good podcast? Uh, uh, I mean, it's a, <laughs> It's, well, I don't, I don't, it's, it's really hard to explain. Let's, let's go, let's, let's, let's hold that thought. We're going to, we're going to talk about, and I will re, I will refer back yeah, to your clients, un- but it's not so much about her. It's just about this idea that right. movement we are talking about, we, though our understanding of movement is through a particular, is in, is in a context where movement is not required. We live in a context where eating good and healthy foods sustainably sourced is not required because we can offset the consequences of those decisions very easily. So we have the luxury or maybe, and also the burden of having to choose one particular way where someone doesn't have the luxury to choose that way because, because they, they can't, they don't have as many options to behave in as many different ways um, as, as we listening and recording this podcast do. So, I want to talk about, I don't know exactly how to phrase it. Maybe we can title this one. I know you had kind of thought of like, is it is it exercise or just movement? It's a, it's a big idea, but I, I think it has more to do with the way things are investigated to find out how things work. Well, yeah, like that whole exercise science. Yeah, and science in general. Right. It's, but but we get to, we're talking about exercise science today, or it could be therapy science or whatever. So... Okay, I have to write down a question because you just made me think of something okay. that you, you just said. Just let's just write. Let's just write the, the entire time. I'll just be like everyone. Just just hear our pens scratching across paper. Like this ready? I'm writing. I'm writing on that cool waterproof paper right now. That's funny. It's the only thing I have in front of me. Here we go. Ready? Yeah. Paper cut. Okay. Back to really quick the because I'm not going to write it down. That's a lie. I just wrote down notes. When you just said nutrients are something we turn to once we have a problem, do you think that's like because of how we're taught about them or why they research them in the first place? Yeah, Major both. Thing. Both of those things. Okay. So why do we research? I mean, I think it's, you know, we're science is a pursuit of understanding about nature, but we're going to be interested usually in solving our problems, right? I think that kids... Little kids, my, watching at least my kids, I can speak to my own kids and other kids that I come in contact with, they are not curious about nature for solving problems. You know, like they're just like, this yeah. is cool. That's cool. This is in my life. This is in front of me now. And I am interested in how it works, where things get more complicated when you're talking about funding later on and you have to have a purpose. And also maybe there's something, a, a problem in your own life that maybe fuels your own curiosity. But in general, medicine 
nutrients or nutrition, corrective exercise, the reason we have interests in those is because there are things happening to us that we don't understand. There are phenomena happening to us that we don't understand. And then we work backwards to figure out, oh, it turns out that this phenomena is related to this and that and this. And so, but then you and I didn't live through the four or 500 years of them developing nutrients. We just got the end lesson, which is if you don't have this nutrient, you will get this. If you don't have this nutrient, you will get this. Like it's not ever, it's not ever talked about as perhaps the part is like, well, why, why do we have the diets that we have? Right. So now like Mm -hmm. now we're talking about maybe, these are more oh, cu- it's cultural. Like it's, it's a cultural, it's a cultural context. And we don't get that part. We just get the scientific findings of solving the problem. It's not really referring back to the cultural experience that brought about the need that brought about the information. It's, you know, like, and that's, of course, it's all about timing. There's certain things that you tell children and lessons, you know, in second grade, you don't get the at my school, I didn't get the cultural competency version of nutrients. I just got this is the government pyramid. This is the right. this is the pyramid. Like that that was my exposure to Well, it. and we all get the scurvy yeah. lesson just to show you. This is what happens. Yeah. Your teeth will yeah. fall out. Yeah. And I didn't get that in second grade, but it turns out I didn't get it at university or in graduate school either. I just mm. kept getting, and again, these these are points that I make. Like you, I just kept getting a a deeper understanding of the mechanisms of my particular diet. I didn't get the backstory of why my diet is the way that it is. Now, it turns out other people in other fields of other interests, non-scientists, people just thinkers and philosophers, philosophizers, philosophy, (laughs) philosophy. (laughs) You were right the first time. Philosophy people. Stop stop while you're Exactly, sorry. That that you can read outside of nutritional science for here's why we eat. Here's what happened to the here was the food source of the place that you live in at one time. And here is the evolution of that food source. And then you start to see what's tied up into the food that you eat. And then you begin to realize like, oh, I see that the need for nutritional science came about because of all of these other things. And you start to see Mm -hmm. a larger picture. Anyway, all of we're not going to talk. We've talked about that, I think, to a certain degree. Today, I just wanted to talk a little bit about how to recognize when you are talking. I mean, you and I have had some discussions. Other people have weighed in on, on the difference between movement and exercise. And this this would be how to pay attention to yourself and the language that you use and the intentions that you set and then the understandings that you're that you're trying to work through is how to see when your own desires for your movement practice we're going to talk about exercise today are relating more to the useful natural in in nature thing that the natural phenomenon that movement is or when you are understanding or perceiving movement through the filter of a filter set by the by the people whose job it is to break it down so let me give an example so if you're just like what let me just say (laughs) i i remember i was teaching a group 
of res, which are the restorative exercise specialists, people, people that have trained with me. And she was like, I can't get my clients excited. Like they don't like, they're not excited about more arm range of motion. You know, it's like, I want, I want, I, I want to know like how many degrees should I be planning on like trying to increase? And I can't see the, the measure of, in, of increasing the degrees. Like, and she was just really focused on this idea that what she was after was more range of motion. More range of motion was her end goal. She had made that the focus of her own, like that's how she prescribed exercise. That's how she embodied exercise. And she was trying to hand that down to her client and her client like wasn't coming in. Like she wasn't motivated to do the exercises because she didn't see the woman saying she doesn't see the value. Like in like, she doesn't, she doesn't get it. She doesn't get that. We need this much range of motion in the shoulder. And I was like, the idea that the, the reason that you move is to, have a greater measure of movement is something that is not relatable to really anyone else who is not studying movement. Like that's a, that's a, that's a desire. Like why do you need more range of motion of your shoulder? Now can you like, what's the next step? It's the idea that the, you want, you want, you don't want more range of motion of your shoulder full stop. You want to be able to do things with your arms that you are unable to do right now. You want to be able to do things with your back that you're unable to do right now. And you recognize how maybe your shoulder is, is part of it. You know, like you have to, I don't want to say you have to, but if you're trying, if you're summing up natural movement as the certain degrees of function in certain parts and you're not tying it back in to what is the purpose, like what is this movement facilitating, then you have to be aware what culture you are participating in and how that might be different than the culture of another person who is like, I just came here for fun or I just came here to feel better. And then of course you do find people and I imagine that it's people attracted to me because I like the science of movement and I've described it that way before, but you, I, I guess it, it's just, it's yeah, a perspective but it isn't, thing. That, that approach isn't for everybody. You're right. Yeah. I mean, and, and just to be receptive to that, not everybody geeks out on, you know, movement and kinesiology in that way. They just want to feel better or they just want to be able to wash their hair. Yeah. And I also, but I also think that when you geek out on the scientific details, like when you're participating in that, sometimes it prevents you from seeing the non-reduced picture, which is where we live, which is life or the world, right? Yeah. I want to read to you this last sentence. I'm going to read, I'm going to read the final sentence of dynamic aging. And I'm going to talk to you about a discussion. I'm telling you this, this is like my way of stalling while I download it. <laughs> I will, and then I'm going to do three things. The first thing is I'm going to download it. The discussion that the the authors and I had in editing. So I don't, I feel like I don't want to read the final sentence because it's so impactful, but I'm going to read it anyway. So hold on, I'm scrolling through. So the final sentence of dynamic aging is, I'm going to kind of paraphrase. The reason I'm writing this book, Dynamic Aging, and the movements that it's helping you learn to do 
is not so that you can age dynamically. It's so that you can live dynamically. Okay, so the... I like that. My co-authors, they're like, well, can we put like, it's not only so we can age dynamically, but so we can live dynamically. And I was like, what, what is the benefit of aging dynamically mm-hmm. if you're not living dynamically? I mean, like to ask them to quantify it, like what, what does that mean to age dynamically? Like, are you, could you age dynamically without having a, an experience associated with it? Like if, I, I feel like that's a that's an understanding about when you're when you're pulling the thing when you're separating the thing to investigate it a little bit it's challenging to refer back to the original context from which you pulled we are constantly inundated all of the time with the scientific findings of things because we don't know anything if it doesn't come like we we have set it up where that is like the valid knowledge will come through that process. So, for example, it'll say, oh, the length of your telomeres is really important. If you want to if you want to age, you know, if you want to age well, you know, and have a younger biological age, your goal is to have these longer telomeres within your cells on the end of your DNA. So so we get that message. and It's like, great. I want. I want, it's kind of like the grip strength. I want grip strength, uh, grip strength. I want the grip strength. I want the longer telomere. I'm going to do the exercises for those things, or I'm going to eat the diet for those things. Cause I, I want those things that are associated with health. We, we say we want the things that are, are the indicators of health. And we forget that it's, we actually want the health. We want the health, Mm -hmm. which is what it's the experience. It's the experience that we that we create that sometimes that what what's compromised like it's not your knee that's compromised what's compromised is the experience that you have now because of your knee that your knee is limiting an experience and so we get really caught up with creating a program choosing when to exercise choosing which exercises to do as they relate back to the the variables that health was associated with rather than doing an activity that brings us joy. Another example of this idea is someone came in and wanted to talk about her uh, diastasis recti. And she was like, I'm so, I'm very stressed because I still have a three centimeter gap. And I was like, okay, what what it like what is what is it like what is the symptom of your three centimeter gap and she had no symptoms i was like well is it like i was trying to like well like i couldn't figure out why it was bothering her I was like are are you is your back hurting you no and like she's like getting stronger she can do all these things i can carry my kids like okay well why why is it bothering you and it's bothering her because she's been told that she's not supposed to have a 3 centimeter gap Oh, right. Like we, we have begun, like you put your shoulder up and you're like, ah, I have no shoulder range of motion. I'm terrible. My hamstrings are so tight. I, I I don't have good legs. And it's like, okay, well that, that 
type of information is, is to help people whose job it is to understand movement science understand movement science. Let's put it into context. Why do you care that your hamstrings are tight? Well, because you told me to. It's like, okay, well, I didn't tell you to care that your hamstrings were tight as much as I pointed out that if you were having difficulty or trying to deal with this injury over here or this injury over here, check the length of your hamstrings. Okay, yes, I have tight hamstrings and I have knee pain and hip pain. Okay, well, how is that affecting your life? It's like, and then like, well, it's not. I really sit too much. And then, but the more the more you engage in dialogue, then it's more like, well, I actually really like to do this thing, but I can't do it anymore because, uh-huh. okay, now we have a goal. Now we ha- Now you are starting to put together the variable of your tight hamstring with something in your in the quality of your own life. And it, that needs to happen. Well, and I imagine that's the core of the motivation. Yes, but that, but, but so what I'm saying is the motivation, one of the reasons, because I deal with a lot of people, and of course they're coming to me because I'm breaking down movement, is that their perception is that they need the movement for movement's sake. It's that, it's the exercise perspective. They don't, really they haven't integrated the fact that it's moving through their life that's a problem for them mm-hmm. and so it's like I, i'm wanting to help connect those dots for them and for i mean and for everyone to kind of go i when when you're describing it's a it's an anomaly to have someone like oh i don't hurt yet so why would i move you know it's like okay well then you wonder how much movement, then this is like that movement matters idea, which is, well, how much movement is in our own lives? Like when you have a sedentary, when you live in a sedentary culture, the fact that you might not be able to move very much isn't really an an issue until I start making recommendations like, oh, you should, you know, carry your kids for more range of better variability and stuff. Well, I can't because they hurt. And then it's like, okay, well, now we start to break it down. Why? Well, my shoulder doesn't go anywhere. It's like, okay, well, you, so when you are trying to create a program or evaluate your own progress, I guess the point of this show, because I do like to bury the lead, make sure we put our points of the show in at the end, <laughs> is that what is the real life non-exercise benefit to you that you're looking for? Can you frame your movement pursuits to be not coming from an exercise mindset, but from a movement mindset, a non-exercise movement mindset, which is, oh no, there are these other things that I'm trying to be able to do that maybe through something that I've read of yours or through reading something else I understand is related to my immobility, but I'm not pursuing my immobility just because immobility is bad it's just an adaptation. You're per, you're pursuing your immobility because of there's this thing over here that you want to be able to do. And that is super helpful for yourself. I mean, the person who came to me, she wasn't a movement teacher. She was just talking about herself. Like it had gotten to the point where she's reading so many things that the fact that she hasn't achieved a particular number to her was an indicator that her body wasn't right. I'm like, well, yeah. there are, there's no right or wrong bodies. Like, well, I just, I feel like performance ideals kind of cloud our end goal. Like, what are we, what are we really after? 
and then those those ideals of well it should be this way well you shouldn't have a three centimeter gap you know that that kind of clouds like what are we after in the end well and she, it turns out she didn't have anything she was after in the end oh. and i think that that's the issue okay like what are you after in the end like she she was just told that she should have zero she wanted a body that was a particular way because she was told it was the body that she was supposed to supposed to she was supposed to have <laughs> and i and i think that that you know I, i've been doing a lot of interviews on why exercise doesn't work i mean there's a big movement in the fitness industry they're like you know we keep like i don't know how much more that was research an awesome pun by the way but I, what know. pun i i just punned subconsciously big, big movement in the in a fitness industry oh there you go there is a big there you go there's a big movement in the fitness industry to try to understand okay we're like on decade 4 of telling people that they can't continue to sit all the time, that they have to get up and exercise. This is the exercise perspective. And they're not doing it. Most people are not doing it. Probably not the people listening, but most people are not. And they can't figure out why. And I believe it's a cultural issue. And I, I might have talked about it a little bit before, what, like the difference between exercise and movement is it's a cultural one. And this is another piece of it, though, too, is we've reframed. It's kind of like we've we've reframed it. In terms of nutrients, this is what you do if you don't want to get sick. This is what you do if you're already sick. It's it's like relating back to the end It's relating back to the physical structure of an unmoving body it's not it's not really relating to a body that you want to do any particular thing with and it's not true for everybody but for a lot of people especially the people who are asking me these questions this is what i find at the root of it so i was thinking like why did i want to do a pull-up like so you want to do a pull-up right mm-hmm. why why do we want to do a pull-up what it what does that give us when we're able to do it you pull yourself up into a tree when zombies are chasing you. That's why I want to do it. So you're doing it for safety. Yeah. Or just, yeah. And just be able to, I want to be able to pull myself up out of things. Like I don't want to be dependent on any sort of implement. Yeah. Like if I want a, to go somewhere. Yeah. 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 So like, so I think that helps. Like I want to go across, like if you're trying, like what's another, like what's another goal I'm trying to think of maybe after reading movie or DNA that people might've had that I myself was able to have, gosh, I'm thinking way back. Like to, I didn't, I used to not be a squatter. I couldn't squat to be able to squat was my goal. But my, my reason for it was because that would be, that would be the medicine, right? Like that's how I would have a healthy pelvic floor. And, and that's how I would have good hip range of motion. And that's, that would mean when like I'm walking around, I would have better butt development. Like that, my perspective was very much entrenched in the the benefits that I knew came about because of the 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 science that I had on it but it made it very hard for me to think about squatting in a non like what are other what are other non-exercise related things meaning we're like not thinking about the health benefits the physical health benefits that squatting was able to afford me. And then 
over the last, I mean, we've talked about them on the show over the last year or two years. It's like, oh, it allows me to comfortably nurse in a squatting position. Like there's the convenience and, and it wasn't a yeah, big resting, deal for me, but now without a chair. I'm people are like, I don't know how I, I'm unable to, to breastfeed my child out of a chair because or a lying down. I can't really sit comfortably in any other position. And that's what keeps me in my house. Mm-hmm. That's why I can't go out and walk as much as I like, because I have to nurse so frequently that my hip immobility is keeping me from leaving my house with regularity. And then when you start panning out, you start seeing like, oh, not, not, not everyone is interested in the health benefits or it's only motivating to a certain point. At some point, we have to start talking about these things as the immobilities or the weaknesses or whatever you want to call them that you have are they're limiting your mobility in a larger sense. And it might be that you don't find that limitation until you step outside and try to do something new. And then it's like, I can't carry my kid because my back hurts. Like, ah, now we have, well, why do you want to carry your kid? Well, because I heard it's better for him or her and me. It's like, okay, well, what else? Well, I'd actually like to be able to take an afternoon walk, but I can't because, okay, now now the value of what you're doing is larger and you're and it's able to sustain you through this transition of being sedentary to being someone who moves. So anyway, I mean that's really all I wanted to say. You're the person that you're talking about it, it triggered that idea like we really do need to talk about we've talked about the difference between exercise and movement in a very theoretical way. But what does it mean when your whole mental process thinks about all movement in terms of exercise and keeps relaying things back to the physical benefits of it when you still can't yet see it, how it changes the life experiences available to you. To make that shift, how do we do that? Just kind of start stepping back and looking at moving away from, it's not so much I don't really care what my range of motion in my shoulder is, but I do want to be able to reach up and grab stuff. You know, I want to be able to go out and pick cherries this summer. And you couldn't do that before? Well, no, but I'm just saying it's instead of looking at it from, well, this is what it should be, or this is what, this is why it hurts because of this, but stepping back and looking from it from a more of a just doing stuff with our bodies, not how our bodies should be or how they right. should perform, but just doing it. Uh, I mean, well, I feel like from- should. Should makes it should should should, 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 should is like a real like should is I feel like it's external when you, is there anything that is there any movement that you want to do that would be I'm, I'm like trying to think right now of something that like what's on my list you know I'm trying to think of like my own like what's a good example I mean the squat the squat was a big one for me like I worked on my squat for years and years for the sake of the squat you know, I still had furniture in my house and, and yes, getting rid of the furniture increased my frequency of practicing my exercise squat, but it was only, it was only by taking my squat outside of my exercise practice. And I posted one time a picture on Instagram when we were, we were someplace in New Mexico or Arizona in this like amazing rock formation that it was so old and I was squatting down and 
Just to go from a standing to a squatting, I became aware of these tiny purple succulents growing all over what looked like a barren, dead landscape. I couldn't see them until I squatted. It changed my perception of the world, the squatted. It allowed more information in to me. And so I, f- I feel like there's a, a lot of listeners and then those listeners have friends who their exercise, their movement world is still contained in an exercise bubble. Even though you take it outside, that's one way. Like there's, there's lots of ways to, I mean, you're going to transition away from exercise to movement. It's a, it's a transition. It's not like it's a way your mind thinks like your mind has thought these ways repetitively and they are just the, you, your thought processes have adapted. They're stronger in some ways and weaker in this new way. But one way would be to take that thing that you're working on. Diastasis recti would be one and give it context that's not exercise okay that's not exercise science that's not health science that's not movement science that's your own personal experience of the life that you would like to have not because someone told you to do this because you were healthy or whatever that you are able to relate it back to something that doesn't come from this particular process of learning things. So I'm trying to, is there anything, is there anyone that you have, is there anything that you're working on that where we could do that for you? For me, I th- I think just that upper body strength is, is my thing lately. What is your upper body strength keeping you from doing? Getting all the way up a tree. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so is climbing a tree something that you really want? As I like, really do, you, do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I really do. And I think, I think that's, that's a biggie. And you can't climb any trees at all right now? I can only get up so far before I get tired. And I really right. have to use like everything to get up, not yeah, just yeah. my upper body, but a whole lot of momentum and flailing and stuff. Yeah. What else? Do you have another one? Any other? Uh, it's like, okay, so for me, I was thinking, it's like, I don't want my low back to go out, right? That would be, that would be a, a reason that people would exercise, right? Like I am doing yeah. this because I'm told that, the benefit of doing these four exercises stabilize my low back. I don't want my back to go out. That that I don't want my back to go out, I don't want my back to go out is your intention. And of course, I know you don't want your back to go out, but you don't not want your back to go out for the sake of it not going out. You want it to stay in <laughs> because you can't move when it goes out, Right. That right. you are, that you, that you, that that's like, oh, I have to be bedridden mm-hmm. for three days. And then it's not only that you don't want to be bedridden, because frankly, that might be enjoyable to one person listening to this for a few days as a, as a break, right? You know, to lounge for a few days to be still. What you're saying is there are other things that I would rather be doing than being in bed. And it's like, great. What are those things? Well, I want to be able to take a walk every day. Or I want to be able, I really like going to this. And then, so then well, I used to not be able to pick up my kids before I found you because I was afraid of my back, lower back going out. Well, and so, but to be able to relate 
the reason you're doing the exercises to those things that you get to do versus relating those exercises back to the thing that you don't want to happen. That that's a that is a mental shift, right? Because if you're doing the things because you don't want your back to go out, the reason you know about those things as they relate to your back is because of, you know, a therapeutic understanding or an anatomical understanding of the how the things work. And I think that there's something that to be said for the mindset that you're in and what keeps you going as far as doing your exercises and how much movement you're getting in your life. Because you can say that you're doing those exercises so that your back doesn't go out so that you can go take a walk every day, pick up your kids. But are you actually taking a walk up every day and picking up your kids? And then you start to see, oh, I don't, I can't, even when I can do those things, I'm not doing those things. It allows you, I, I think, to see your behavior in a larger, in a larger pattern. So I don't, I don't know if there's a, if there's a, a easy formula to kind of give order to the things that I'm talking about right now, but it's more, can you start paying attention to how you think about exercise, the purpose that you're giving to your exercises and do they have any sort of non-exercise movement component? And are you engaging in the non-exercise movement component that you are doing the exercises for? Or are you on an exercise-only loop because you don't know how to get out of it? That's, that's, let's go ahead and cut that off. Put it at the beginning of the show and then listen to it to get back to that point. That's what this is all about. Thanks. Sometimes I have to go around the long way. That we are stuck in an exercise loop because we don't truly understand, we don't physically embody how those things that we're doing over here relate back to them over on the non-exercise movement side because we can't get out of the exercise trap. And I think it has a lot to do with how we're thinking about things and the, the you know, how much the, the trainer teaching the student that the goal is to have more shoulder range of motion, like she just stopped coming to class. It has absolutely no context for her. Why would she want more range of motion in her shoulder? Like, even if you could explain it, well, you want this, so this happens over here. And she's like, ah, eh, oh, but it doesn't hurt, you know? Like, and so I feel like we need to have a, a broader understanding of how other non movement science nerds think about movement and then also look to see if our own nerddom is affecting our ability to get out of the exercise box. Final answer. No, that's a good one. And and I feel that it's makes it for my own self, you know, approaching it from that that way of thinking about it, the movement or whatever I'm doing for myself, just say for the upper body strength, I'm much more motivated and in a different way. Like it's 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 much more exciting for me and I'm not doing it because like, I feel like I should, or I'm trying to stave something off. I'm not approaching it from a deficit mindset. I'm, it's a much more adventurous and kind of an abundance, like, Oh, I'm going to be able to do this. You know, this is what I want to do. And mm -hmm. it really changes my motivation and commitment to movement Yeah, when I'm not running from something, but I'm, you know, climbing towards something. It's just, it's a lot different for me. Well, I'm so excited back to dynamic aging for that book to come out and Me too. i think let's do let's talk about it next podcast episode after this yeah. one now that i've already given you the last line you probably it's yeah. just like you already <laughs> found out you, well, you know you, you know who did it you know who yeah. did it 
are you going to still be doing a pre-sale when this is going to come out? I think uh, February 7th. Nope. Pre-sale will be over. Pre-sale will be over. Okay. You you can go get it on Amazon. You can order it on Amazon, but yeah. And you'll be selling it on the site too, right? It'll be on the site. Yeah. Okay. But it should be shipping in the end, end of February. So that's good. Sweet. Cool beans. All right. Well, all right, any, man. Is that it? Uh, can you do a question? You got time for a question or not? Do it. Do it. Okay. So this, our mailbag is full, full, full. And I apologize to everybody who's writing in. I'm, it's like, did you ever see the Grinch? The stole Christmas? I have not, but I've read the book. What? I know. Okay. Do you remember the scrawny dog with the antler taped to its head? And he's like yeah. cowering underneath the giant bag of stolen Christmas. Yes, yeah, like huge. Yes. Okay. So that's what I feel like every time I open up the mailbag. So we have to answer one. This is a really good one. Okay. This is from Ashley. And Ashley writes, I have a weekly study group where a friend and I get together and practice our alignment with Katie's videos and books. We laugh at our immobility, but it's helped a lot to do the, I just think how funny that is. <laughs> They're sitting around like, ha ha ha, you can't do that. We laugh at our immobility, but it's helping a lot to do these movements. I've been working through the diastasis recti book exercises, and I asked my friend to help me figure out the floor-lying bolstered spinal twist that is on page 96. The directions say to lie on the floor and move one knee to the other side, but as soon as the lower ribs leave the fl- but stop as soon as the lower ribs leave the floor, and then it has a picture of Katie with her ribs clearly flat on the floor, but her knee over to one side on a stack of pillows. She's bolstered. The problem is neither of us can twist our spine or move our knee to the side far enough to even put it onto a stack of pillows. Even if we bolster our shoulders enough that our lower ribs are on the floor when we start, we can only lift the side of our pelvis off the floor about an inch before the ribs start going up with it. The knee can't cross the midline of our body and there's nowhere to rest the leg or relax into a stretch. I've asked my husband to try it too, and he has similar results. We must all be really tight in the spine. Is there a way to scale back this stretch and work up to the point where we can actually get our leg onto that pile of pillows? I'm concerned that if I can't twist even a tiny bit while keeping my lower ribs on the floor, that any other twisting while sitting or standing will also be dysfunctional. Totally feel it, Ashley. Totally feel it. I get that. Been there. Yeah. Been there. So the tent. Well, and I was teaching class this morning, and that was the reality. And I got the same question in class this morning, which is, it's not your spine that's tight. It's your entire torso. So just to give people listening, kind of like, could you say that all again? Most people are familiar with the spinal twist. You bring your your knee up, and you roll it across your body, and you are, I'm doing air quotes around the word twisting. But the reality is most people aren't twisting at all. They're rolling, their pelvis rolled, their stomach went with their pelvis and their rib cage went and they kind of arched their back. So their their pelvis and their knees ended up on the other side, but it's not a rotation action between the rib cage and the pelvis. And, and that is in my book in diastasis recti and other things that I put out, that's what the measure is for. I want you to see how much rotation you have in your trunk, not your spine only. It's, it's the entire thing because the point of diastasis recti is it's your abdomen, like the muscles of your abdomen are very tight and can be limiting their strength and as well as the rotation of the spine and the health of those vertebral column and discs, et cetera. So what I have people do is you keep your ribs on the floor 
and only let the lower half go. But if you don't have very much torso range of motion, which is very common when you also have diastasis recti, well, it's those two things are related. The reason you do the exercise is like, wow, I, my pelvis doesn't go anywhere without my ribs. And that's, that's one of the problems. That's one of, that's, that's an immobility that when you have it, lends you to straining particular tissue. So we're trying to get more range of motion. If you can't, though, turn it all where you can get into a plane of action where, where gravity, you know, like one of the things of, one of the reasons you do the twist is because you can get your knee just so where gravity does the twist for you. Yeah. But you have to break 90 degrees, right? You can't have a perpendicular thigh, which is basically what she's saying. She's like, I can't even get my leg over. It's so tight. Great. That's when you go, there's sitting twists. You just don't have the range of motion in a twist in that particular range of motion. So to, I think it's, I don't know what page it's on. I can look it up. But you're sitting, you're sitting in a chair with your same pieces, the same relationship between your pelvis and your rib cage, but you're, you're twisting to the left and then you're twisting to the right. So that's one thing is to do the twists. Like it, it doesn't, it's not hurting you to take that same exercise into a vertical orientation or sitting it's the way that you deal with it one other way to deal with it and i apologize if it's a little tedious to listen in a podcast without visuals is you can cheat when you're starting a twist basically your whole body is facing up to the ceiling and then your lower half goes over if you don't have very much range of motion and you have very good spatial awareness you can cheat, which means turn your entire body, shoulders and pelvis, let's say to the left, and then start your twist from there, which would, even if you only had a couple of inches, change your lever system so that you would have, you would have that, you would, you would have more gra- gravitational, like more rotation created through gravity because of being able to turn yourself. You just have to really know where your ribs are relative to your pelvis that's all you that's all you have to be monitoring so if it's like my ribs don't go anywhere or my pelvis barely goes anywhere to make being on my back effective it's like well then just turn your whole body to the left and start your twist there or stand up and then do your crescent stretches and and do other mobilizing exercises and then come back to it and see how you go from there so the the answer is cheat what's what's the sitting twist page 94 wow you're like that assistant i always wanted (laughs) Yeah. So there's, so you, it's, it's just that that particular exercise doesn't work for your current mobility and you're not going to get very much out of it. So either adjust the orientation of a little bit or just go back to the other exercises and then look at how much rotation you have in your day-to-day life. Is there anything that you could do where you have the need for that rotation? You know, because then that would be a way, like the more, if you can get a little bit more active in that rotating. So that's, that's the, that's where we are right now is there's nothing in our, there's very little in our life that requires movement anymore. And so we're highly dependent on sucking the teat from the exercise book because, (laughs) because there's no, there's, there's no other movement that's facilitated. So it's, you know, there's, there's just no, there's no more movement. Now we got backup cameras. That was, that was the last that was the dinosaur. That was the dinosaur. 
totally was just thinking of backup cameras. I mean, that's what it is. Like everyone, I, yeah. I'll give lectures a lot all over and I'll be like, what's the one thing in your daily life where you have to rotate your neck and your shoulders and backing up is the mm-hmm. only one. Yep. And we just got rid of it. It's like, I've just been really fascinated lately with, you know, the diversity of seeds, the diversity of peoples and the diversity of movements where we're losing, we're losing so much of it, you know? And it's like, we're down to like, these are, these are endangered movements. They're endangered movements because once you stop doing them, they become more difficult to be able to do. And there's, you know, and it's, endangered movements flight and i was like oh my god we were doing the calf stretch and i was like okay when would your calf do this and then it was like uphill it's like who has walked uphill at this angle like in the last three months and most of the class was like not and it's like wow so now when you do it it's like it's just not it's just not there with regularity and it just gets lost and then when you change the when you alter the environment you know to make not moving our parts even easier then you get less moving parts like it's just it's just the it's the nature of the influence between of all components of the ecosystem anyway wow yeah thanks for that question yeah that was good ashley thanks ashley and your friend we see you (laughs) and your go ahead and keep keep chuckling at your (laughs) and your alignment study group i think that's awesome yeah, that is. It's cool. It's good to have a buddy because you can't always see what's going on. It's always helpful to have a, another set of eyes on you. And plus now, awesome. well, now you kind of made it community thing, right? That's one way of yes. bumping it out of exercise only. It's like we're laughing. Okay, you just you just de-exercised it a little bit, if that makes any sense. You just added an element of, well, this is my friend time. Great. Now you're you're on your way of and that's why I think the buddy system works. I don't think it's about this accountability as much as you're getting more value out of that assigned time for movement. If we can it's understand true. the things that we, you know, quote, know in a slightly different way, I think it's helpful. I think it's helpful in the fact that we need to get moving seriously and we need to understand how movement works and that I'm not talking about exercise. The end. All right. Thank you for listening. Thank- Thank you so much, Katie, for saying endangered movements, because now I'm going to like walk away with that. Like it's a little treasure and think about it all day long. Endangered movement. Well, it's a it's an it's a it's a cultural perspective, right? Of like, if you don't need the thing, you just don't need it like that. that There's to, to see the consequence of the lack of it is something that's challenging to see. Right. It's it's hard. to. I mean, how do you foresight is challenging. I never understood what hindsight is 2020 meant. I never understood what that meant in the same way that I couldn't get that joke, which is what's, what's, what's heavier, a pound of feathers or a pound of bowling balls. I never got that. I was like, it's clearly the pound of bowling balls. You don't, I just, I couldn't like, there was something. So now do you get hindsight is 20? I did. Yes. But those were like, those were key things that and learning how to tell time, just so you know, like, those were concepts that I struggled with as a child. Everything else came like pretty easily. Oh, oh, how many three cent stamps in a dozen? A dozen. Well, four is the clear answer. When I was, <laughs> when I was, you know, eight years old, and I, I sure. just couldn't, I couldn't get the thing. I couldn't penetrate the thing. And then, 
Uh, okay, and then well, it came. I'm gonna I'm gonna turn endangered movement that phrase into a scavenger hunt. If anybody wants to just spend the next three to seven days trying to find endangered movements, save your seeds. And send them. Send them to me. Save your seeds and save your moves. Okay, yeah, that's very very cool, man. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay, We're I'm gonna say here. this again. I'm not even gonna say thanks for listening. You know where to find me. Find me outside. Or at the new nutritiousmovement.com, a small little makeover, not big, but kind of cool. Danny Hemmett, you can find her promoting endangered movements over at moveyourbodybetter.com. Oh, and she just bought the website endangeredmovements.com, I see. Just oh. kidding. <laughs> oh, wait, she just Failure, trademarked man. it. She just trademarked yeah. it. Oh, yep. it. Oh, wait, I have a fine. I have a fine movement. for just using it right now. You have a fine from Danny Hemmett from using her trademark term, endangered movements, jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, All right, friend. All right, thanks so much. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Hopefully you find the general information in this podcast informative and helpful, but it is not intended to replace medical advice and should not be used as such.